Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, my favorite time of the week. We're talking college football with Matt Baker. He joins us now. And uh, Matt, uh, listen, Florida, to say they had a rough go of it against Sanford unexpectedly is to put things modestly. Now, I know that Dan Mullen wants us all to celebrate the fact that they won the game. And I would have gone, to be honest with you, whatever he said, and I said this the other night on the podcast, whatever Mullen said after that game, I'd have gone complete Herm Edwards. You play to win the game. Hello? Hello? <laughs> you know, don't forget the hello, as my good friend always says. How do, how do, you, like, how do you give up that many points to a team like Sanford and, and try to act as if, you know, everything's fine, you know, there's a little hole in the Titanic, but we'll be okay? Like, what, what was that? What happened? <laughs> <laughs> what happened is the same thing that has been happening, yeah. which is their defense is not good. Their defense was historically bad last year under coordinator Todd Grantham. They changed a couple assistants in the the secondary, the secondary, and and that didn't work. I mean, they're on a a stretch right now. Uh, They've given up thirty-four, thirty-four or more points in four consecutive games. Can you guess how many times that has happened in the previous one hundred and fourteen seasons of Florida football? I'm afraid you're going to tell me. The answer is zero. Zero is the number of times no. that has happened before. So another uh, and historically bad defense by the University of Florida, as in the whole that, program. That is that is correct. Um, they're, they're averaging, I think it's 4.6 uh, yards per rush allowed, or 4.4, which is the second worst in the last 40 years behind mm. last year. So mm. they're, they're, just, they're just a mess. I mean, w- when I went back and watched the game, you look at breakdowns in the secondary, you look at uh, questionable effort, you look at missed tackles, you look at penalties, they're just an absolute mess. And I, I guess to their credit, they, they did play better in the second half. You know, they outscored them 42 to 10 down the stretch, but I'm not going to spin it like that was a good game or a good performance. It wasn't. I mean, Zach Carter, the Hillsborough High School uh, alum and, and Dean Lyman for the Gators said it was unacceptable. Um, he is allowed to say that type of thing at this point. Yeah, Mullen, I don't think can be... Publicly, I don't think he can be critical. Uh, Maybe a a couple little things we need to tackle better or something like that. But he can't be too critical at this point because I think he would risk losing the locker room. He needs to, and and he's talked enough over the last couple weeks about trying to build confidence. That if he went out and said, "Yeah, this was this was terrible," or um, the the one that comes to mind, Jim McElwain's second game at Florida was against East Carolina. They won. I think it was twenty-eight to twenty. And afterward, he was. He was fuming and said, I'll never forget it. It was an embarrassing performance. It was embarrassing to the team. It was an embarrassing to the university. It was embar- It was so embarrassing. You ought to be embarrassed for having to write about that. Now, <laughs> McElwain was trying to set a tone, trying to set the expectation, the standard early yeah. in his tenure. That's not okay. Okay, completely get it. But like, if Mullen went out there and did that after Saturday's game, that that would not go over well. That that would have been a, a disaster in the locker room. So I think that's why he's being so 
positive and and, and everything about just well, about a game that wasn't very good. I mean, the, the other thing I want to say about this one really quickly, um, I was on my way to cover Florida State Miami. Um, our, our boss Tracy Johnson asked me during leading up to the game, "You shouldn't cover Samford, right?" I'm like, no, like, uh, no, I don't think I should cover Samford. I need to cover Florida State Miami. So I'm listening to the game on the radio, driving to Tallahassee. And, you know, Sanford scores. Oh, okay. All right. Good for Sanford. Way, way to go. And then it keeps going and keeps going. And every second that I'm driving closer to the game I'm supposed to be at, I'm afraid I'm driving a second away from the one I probably should have gone to. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, it was such a bizarre thing. Yeah. Just anxiety into this. I mean, dear, dear listener, whatever job you have, think about that, where you're, spo- you're going to one place you're supposed to go. And wondering if you should be going to the other place in the exact opposite direction for your job. It was just such a weird experience. Um, so I guess to that extent, I'm, I'm grateful that the Gators didn't lose because then it would have been even more disastrous. And I'm thankful that the <laughs> FSU at least gave me a good game. Well, I hope that Todd Grantham took a drive someplace because he's probably thinking, oh, I was the problem. Oh, OK. Um, but he was a problem and he has been. And he was going to get fired anyway. But a lot of uh, staff members may be coaching their last few games at Florida if, in fact, Dan Mullen even returns, which is a topic we've discussed in the past. Let's talk about a story you wrote because, you know, sometimes these guys get one more bite of the apple. They they make changes on their staff. How does that usually turn out? Does Do they improve? Do they do they generally not? What What's the results there? So – like I, I didn't do like a scientific study, right? Because right, it's, right, it's, right, gonna right. Be, it's really hard to do that. So I just kind of went through some schools off the top of my head mm-hmm. and tried to find some examples of, of similar situations where you got an embattled coach who had a really rough year, gets, an, like you said, another bite at the apple, changes staff, what happens? There are some success stories. Um, the one Florida fans will point to was Notre Dame under Ryan Kelly. Um, they had a year where they went four and eight. And afterward, you know, they, they made major shakeups, fired a defensive coordinator, changed half the staff. Brian Kelly kind of became a softer, kinder, gentler Brian Kelly in theory. And they got a lot better. And they've been to two of the last three playoffs. And for all we know, we'll, we'll go this year. Um, Michigan, this past offseason, you know, Harbaugh got a restructured deal um, and then changed a whole bunch of guys on staff. I think everybody, all of his assistants are 43 and under, if I remember right. So went younger, heavy recruiting, and here here we are. What is it? Uh, we're recording on November 17th. They're much, very much in the Big Ten and, and, and playoff picture. So that worked. But as I went through, almost all of them didn't work. You know, you look at what Florida did uh, under Muschamp and Ron Zook, changing coordinators did not work. Michigan State did this really weird thing at the end of the D'Antonio era where basically the O-line coach became the tight ends coach quarterbacks coach became the running back coach everybody like flip-flopped and it sounded like a terrible idea and it was and then they they didn't have a good year and he left um texas under under charlie strong and tom herman similar things similar results so most of the time it doesn't work it's like the 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 one arrested development meme right where um uh they're they're talking about therapy and a couple therapy and you know everybody convinces himself that it's going to work but it never works but maybe it will work for us. Yeah. That, that's kind of what I feel like it, it is if, <laughs> if Mullen gets another chance. I, think, I don't think the odds are very high, but they're not yeah. zero either. Well, they play at Missouri, and um, it's a road game, which usually makes it a little more difficult. Look, Mizzou's not a good football team program, et cetera. But right now, the way Florida is playing, they can certainly lose to anybody. So they got, they got Missouri 
and they got Florida State, which will definitely be a difficult time for them. What happens? I mean, and and, and listen, Matt Baker will be at Missouri. This is exciting stuff that you're going to be there to see exactly what transpires with the Florida Gators on the road. I, I'm I'm excited to hit the roads. It's the first time I will have been in an airplane for a game since uh, the LSU one in 2019. I think so. I, I'm excited wow. for that. I appreciate, by the way, how you how you've been calling it Missouri. Um, I spent mm-hmm. I spent about nine and a half months in Springfield, Missouri. Uh, that was my mm. first job coming out of college, and it is it is definitely Missouri. It is not Missouri. It is Missouri, at least in, mm. in the, the beautiful uh, Springfield State. area. Um, yeah. Florida could definitely lose to Mizzou. I, I, mm. I no question. Uh, mm. Mizzou's got a running back, Tyler uh, Batty, who's got four 200-yard games on the season. Goodness. And, I mean, he, he's, 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 he's a good player. And considering the way the Gators have stopped the run or, or failed to stop the run against South Carolina and against Georgia and against um, LSU, yeah. they, they could have a field day. I mean, if I were them, I would run counter 50 times and, and <laughs> until they stop it, which yeah, from what man. we've seen for the last year and a half, Florida's not going to stop it. Um, so I, that is definitely a losable game for Florida. Um, we can look ahead briefly to the FSU game uh, the, the next week. Again, same thing. FSU, uh, they, they are not a great team. This is not a fantastic FSU team. But they're getting better every single week. And the one thing they have when, when Jordan Travis is healthy is a very good running attack. So again, Mike Norvell is an excellent football coach. He's going mm-hmm. to figure out, oh, look, we should just run counter because that's what everybody's been doing and having a lot of success on until Florida learns how to stop it. So both of these games to me are losable. And it's it's a really, it's obviously a pivotal time for Dan Mullen and his tenure. Um, I go back the last, I think I said this on the show, um, before the LSU game, there were, I, I had somebody tell me, if he loses to Ed Orgeron, who's on his way out, I don't know that Mullen comes back from it. And he did. Uh, then the way that it went down against Georgia that bad, I remember thinking, I don't know if he comes back from it. And then South Carolina, the way that went. I definitely mm-hmm. thought, ooh, I don't know how he comes back from this. And then the first half, 42 points, most ever allowed in a half in the history of the Gators football program. Incredible. I don't know how he comes back from it. But he's here right now. I think if Florida knew for sure he would be gone, they probably would have fired him. They get a head start on the search. That, that's, my, that's my guess. I'm not reporting that. That's, that's speculation. Yeah. So the fact that he's here tells me there's a chance. Um, there's not a lot of good opportunities left here for him. Um, you know, beating Mizzou and beating Florida State, if you're on the fence about whether he can turn it around, I don't know that that's going to... Wait, great, you beat a 5-5 five and five team and a 4-6 and six team. Congratulations. Like, I don't know that that's going to do it. So I think the, the other th- part of it, though, is if he loses to one of them or looks really, really ugly in a win or something, then that might be all she wrote. Yeah, the alternative is far worse uh, for Dan Mullen than winning. That's the least he can do or try to do these next two weeks. Uh, we'll wait for the, the meeting between them and Florida State. Uh, but in the meantime, FSU took down Miami. Miami has fired their athletic director. I assume that's probably not good news for Manny Diaz. Um, I thought maybe Manny was the one in the crosshairs first, but in, instead they got the AD. Um, so let's let's just address Miami real quick. We'll get to Florida State. What, uh, do you think there'll be a new coach for the Hurricanes next year? That is my guess, if I had to guess. But mm-hmm. this is a very weird situation, I think. Um, mm-hmm. So Blake James was the AD. He wasn't the most well-respected. And I, I don't think the, the, the brass at Miami loved what he had done. And you, know, you can look at the way the football program has been and, 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 and understand why. What's weird about this 
to me is the following. My, you know, Blake James had been kind of embattled for a while. It's not like that when they when they fired him, or I, they technically said it was a mutual separation, but yeah. Um, so when they mutually separated two weeks before the end of the season, they, they could have done that weeks ago. And so now they're in a situation where it, it's fair to say Manny is worth, they need to figure out what they want to do with Manny. So right now Miami is doing an athletic director search and that's going to take a little bit of time and it should, right? Because this is an extremely important hire. If you're going to want to make sure you do your due diligence and find the right guy. So let's say they have that done by the end of the week. I don't know that they will or, or early next week. So then the new guy or new girl comes in and has a week to look at what's happening with Manny and the program and decide either to keep him or cut bait. And then they're going to have to scramble again because with the early signing period, you need to hire a coach as soon as humanly possible. So you scramble to hire an AD who then scrambles to hire a coach or, or, or fire a coach and then potentially hire one. That's a lot of scrambling on what's, I mean, just one of the biggest decisions that an athletic department in a, in a university will make is is who's going to lead the football program. So that just seems like a recipe for disaster that they didn't have to do. I mean, this is hiring a coach is such a crapshoot anyway, Rick. I'm a risk averse person, person by nature. I would want to uh, uh, mitigate my risk as much as humanly possible. And this is not that at all. Yeah. Not unprecedented that an AD might come in, give Manny a year, and look around and, and take assessments of everything, and then maybe make his move. But we'll see. Um, that, that's, what, that's what USC yeah. did with, with Mike Bone when they hired him from Cincinnati. Um, yeah. They gave him time to kind of go in and check out Clay Helton. And his thing was, I, I need to get the lay of the land. I need to see what we have here. Uh, do we need more recruiting people? Do we need more infrastructure? Do we need more support yeah. staff? I need to figure out what we have before I can figure out whether this guy is a, the long-term fit. And he gave Clay Helton two games um, this year. Uh, the bad loss is Stanford. Nope, I've seen enough. We're done here. And I think that was probably a wise way to do it. So you at least you should at least know like where the the, the coffee maker is in the office before you're trying to figure out who the uh, five million dollar, seven million dollar head coach you're going to hire is. Yeah, makes sense to me. Uh, I think Mike Nor- Mike Norvell is probably pretty safe at Florida State. They've uh, been on a, a bit of a roll. Uh, they go to Boston College, which is a team that they should beat as well. So, like the way that the Seminoles have kind of turned things around here, that was a that was a big win against Miami. That was a huge win against Miami, and, and you know I, I wrote in the Times on TampaBay dot com. It felt seismic. I mean, that's maybe that's a little bit of hyperbole, but I really don't think so. With the way FSU had been, where they were getting better every single excuse me, they were getting better every single game. But they just weren't clicking. They, they, it wasn't quite there. And it was a lot of better, but you still lose. And Miami had been playing better the last couple of weeks under Tyler Van Dyke. And uh, they had finally learned how to win. And the situation reversed where it was Miami, you know, kind of uh, faltering down the stretch. And Miami deciding to let this guy through Andrew Parchment on, on fourth and 14. And Florida State finally learning how to make a play on fourth and 14 um, to, to go out and win the game and not just to get a win to beat a rival. And for all we know, basically be the nail in the coffin. Uh, what was the nail in the coffin for the, for the athletic director at Miami and potentially for the head coach as well. It, it was definitely a, a 
um, I mean, it was a seismic shift where you could see the balance of power in mm-hmm. the state start to move from one side to the other. Um, and I really think I'm, I'm buying in what Mike Morvell is selling. Um, I, I'm willing to be proven wrong. We'll see. But I think he's a genuine guy. And I think he's really sharp. I think he, hand, he was handed a situation that was not very good at all in terms of just what everything that he inherited, infrastructure, finances, uh, roster at FSU. But you can see the fact that they've turned the corner. I think we will. I think there's a good chance we look back on that Miami game and fourth and fourteen that play as a turning point in this FSU football era. I'm not saying they're going to win championships, but you could see things moving in the right direction clearly with that play in that moment. I think that's a good way to put it. And as you wrote, you know, fourth and 14 will be something that could be remembered, um, you know, in, in Florida state history uh, for the good, for the good things, not, not the bad ones. And it looks like their quarterback has, has sort of um, gotten better each week too and developed. So that's, that's always a good place to start. Um, we've got, uh, you had a chance, you know, you did the double dip last week on Friday. You got to see Cincinnati up live and close and in person against USF. Obviously they didn't have a tough time, uh, with, um, the bulls, but what did you make of Cincinnati? They're, they're, uh, ranked third, they're fifth in the uh, playoff polls. I don't know if they're going to go any higher. There's uh, some narrow pathway maybe for them to, uh, to get into that, um, tournament, but, are are they uh, as good of, uh, as some of the Power 5 schools in front of them? Well, I'll put it this way. I had him second on my, on my AP Top 25 ballot for a while. Um, mm-hmm. The Leading up to the USF game, I dropped him from second to third just because Cincinnati had been kind of playing with their food, hadn't you know barely beat Tulsa and didn't look good against Tulsa, Navy. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll drop him for a little bit. I, I dropped him to fifth after seeing him then in, in person. Uh, mm. behind Oregon and Ohio State, and I could justify putting them lower than that. Okay. C- Cincinnati is a very is a they're not, they're not bad. They're a good team, maybe a very good team. Um, Ahmad Gardner, number one, he's got some Jalen Ramsey in him, is what mm. one of the Cincinnati guys was telling me, and I and I think I buy it. Um, mm. he, he's an excellent player. Uh, Twenty one Sanders, a defensive line, defensive end. He is an excellent player. Desmond Ritter is an NFL quarterback. Um, they, they, they had some very good players on that defense, sure tacklers that they're a good team, but good teams, or I shouldn't say that great teams and elite teams don't mess around with USF the way that they did the other night where they're committing offsides on third and fourth down to give USF a fresh set of downs where they're giving up a couple of third quarter touchdowns to USF to make it, uh, to, to keep it close, but they got a chance to put away the game with uh, on first and goal inside the five and they get stopped four times. That's not what a great team does. So again, Cincinnati, I, I expect them to win out. Um, they will probably still end up being in the, the playoff mix. They got, got some help with Oklahoma losing the other day, yeah. but where I left things, I was a little underwhelmed and, and I look, if, if they don't make the playoff, I'm not going to feel sorry for them. I'll put it that way. I, yeah. I hope the system changes and I think it's December 1st and 2nd that the playoff grand Pumbas are going to talk again about expanding. And I hope it expands to 12 and that we don't have to have this conversation. And that this year, Cincinnati, previous years, UCF and Houston and, and Western Michigan and those guys. I hope the group of fives get a chance to play in the playoff. The sport will be better when it happens. And, and I would like to see Cincinnati have that opportunity. But the fact is, in this current system, where it's supposed to be the best four teams, 
after watching them in person, I've seen Georgia in person, I've seen Bama in person, now I've seen Cincy in person. I don't think Cincinnati is on the level of Georgia or Bama. And if they get left out, it's because they don't deserve to be there. Yeah, well, you got to see them, and you know, and you certainly watch these other teams as well up close and personal. So it'll be interesting. They, they still have a way to get there, I guess. Uh, uh, the first thing is they have to remain undefeated and maybe look better doing it, but um, they're not out of it yet. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's some good college games this weekend that I wanted to just run by you real quick, uh, and not in any particular order. I'm saving the best for last. But Arkansas at Alabama. Look, I, Alabama looks really strong. Arkansas is a ranked opponent. Um, I don't think they're going to go into Tuscaloosa and, and do the Tide, but this isn't, at least on paper, an entertaining game between two ranked teams. It is, absolutely. Our Arkansas has remained tough under Sam Pittman. They're, they're a tough out. I think it's important for Bama, obviously, to win, but to, to win convincingly. I mean, you mm-hmm. start looking, you know, we, we, we knock Cincinnati for their schedule, and deservedly so. But yeah. look at look at Alabama's schedule here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's not their fault that Miami and Florida were, were both down, but Miami and Florida were both down. <laughs> yeah, right. Use, uh, LSU is down this year. Um, they lost to A&M, which is one of the better teams they play. They, they have a nice win over Ole Miss, absolutely. And if, if they beat Arkansas, then that's good too. But the, it's not a bunch of murderers row here, right? Yeah, Where exactly. they'll have beaten potentially like one top 15 team, a four loss um, Texas A&M, and a potentially like five loss Auburn, right? Mm. Like it's not that that's that's an issue especially if we're looking at them through the lens of the playoff where yes right now they're number two but if this goes the way we expect they're playing georgia in the sec championship if georgia wins that even if it's close you're still talking about a two loss bama whose best win is top 15 Ole miss and then like four loss arkansas that's Mm. that's going to be a potential issue yeah they may not make it back into the playoffs if they do that um, Oregon, I like this game. Oregon and Utah. Utah is playing better. Um, they can be a tough out at any time, and Oregon needs to keep winning. Yeah. It, what's interesting about this one, too, is they're going to play on Saturday. Um, Utah has gotten a lot better over the course of the season. They had some real kind of head scratchers early on, but I think they've figured it out. And now they're typical, tough, physical um, uh, Utah team. They're probably going to play again in two weeks for the Pac-12 championship. So even if, if Oregon gets through this one, they're probably going to have to play again. And it's really hard to beat a team twice in the same year. So I, I don't know like if, if Oregon wants to hold anything back on this, if Utah wants to hold anything back on this. I, I don't quite know how that affects things. But that's definitely something to keep in mind Saturday with, with watching the, the, the best two teams in the Pac-12 go at it. Yeah. Um, finally, uh Michigan State's at Ohio State, and these two teams have been really, really good in the Big Ten this year. I think Ohio State's starting to have that look in in their eyes, and the quarterback's playing better. 
Um, but we know this is going to be a uh, maybe one of their biggest tests. So I guess I would ask, like, if Ohio State, they still got Michigan to play as well, um, if they can run the gauntlet here, they're in great shape for uh, for the tournament, I think. Oh, yeah, no no question. Um, if, I, if Ohio State beats a top 10 Michigan State team and then a top 10 Michigan team, you know, the West isn't very good, so I don't even remember right. who's kind of at the forefront in the West. Wisconsin, yeah, no maybe? One. They're in are, it. Are they, uh, are they the in? Badgers are in it, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, Ohio State, if they went out, they're in. Um, I think they will get past Michigan State, which has looked a, a tiny bit shaky. Um, but I'm just excited to see um, kind of the running backs in that situation. Kenneth Walker the third. I've talked about him plenty on this show. Terrific, I, yeah. He's on my Heisman my Heisman watch, I guess. He's somebody I'm paying a lot of attention to as I kind of have the Heisman in the back of my mind. And Henderson, the Ohio State freshman, is a fantastic young running back that we're going to be talking about for the next couple of years. So that's kind of the game within the game that I'm keeping an eye on. But I, I got I got one more for you, Rick. I want to call my shot here. Uh, I'm, I I think USF beats Tulane. Whoa! Where'd that USF, come from? USF is getting better. Um, okay. I'm seeing progress there. I'm seeing progress with Timmy McLean. I'm seeing progress in the run game. Even the defense, which, again, I think they entered the the last game like 116th in the country on defense, according to SP Plus Analytics. So it's not a good defense. But I'm seeing baby steps of progress there. And I'm not particularly impressed with Tulane in the way that they've been. Yes, USF is going on the road. Yes, they're 2-8. and but And I believe Tulane is favored as well. But I'm... I think USF wins that one. Wow, from your lips to Jeff Scott's ear, man, that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would be a good weekend for the Bulls, uh, for sure. So just to uh clarify here that your top uh four teams right now again, uh Matt, as you have them. Uh I've got Georgia, Bama, Ohio, uh, Oregon and Ohio State. Um, gotcha. That's that's my top four at the moment, my rankings. The 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 head-to-head type stuff is still weird because I've got Oregon ahead of Ohio State based on the head-to-head. But if they right. played tomorrow, I would think Ohio State would win. So that's just yeah. kind of the weird thing I have to figure out in my head. But, um, I mean, if, if Oregon and Ohio State win out, I think they're both in the playoff. Right. No, I would agree with you. And then you mentioned uh, some Heisman uh, hopefuls there. Let me ask you this because I just want to hear one day Stroud wins the Heisman. Any chance – that a freshman quarterback can make it up to the podium. What do you think? I do think there's a chance. Um, I think one of the the betting sites has uh, CJ Stroud as, as the favorite. I'm not there. Um, I want to see how he does, you know, obviously I I don't have like a front runner in my mind. I'm, you know, I'll figure that out on the the Monday after conference championships. Um, It's wide open. It's wide open. Isn't it right now? Kind of. I mean, absolutely. It's there. Yeah, I, I've got a list of, of plenty of guys that I would look at. I would, you know, Stroud being being on there, uh, Bryce Young at Bama, um, Anderson, the, the linebacker at Bama, um, Kenneth Walker, Kenny Pickett. I mean, there's a bunch of guys that are kind of all Matt Corral, all in right. that mix. And I don't have a lot of separation in the, in my mind right now. So I want to see what happens these next couple weeks. Um, if, if Stroud blows up and, and Ohio State ends up winning and, and looking impressive in his next couple of weeks. Yeah. He's absolutely going to be in the picture. Well, we'll be watching just to hear that announcement, which I probably will put on my <laughs> phone, right? My phone, uh, 
message or something. I don't know. It's crazy. But anyway, uh, he's Matt Baker, and he will be on the road at Missouri this weekend to watch uh, Florida try to uh, muddle their way past a uh, mediocre at best SEC opponent and see if they can keep Dan Mullen's employment alive. But uh, safe travels to you, Matt. Wear a mask, and uh, we'll talk to you next week, man. Thanks. And a big coat. It gets cold up there. Thank <laughs> That's you. Oh, yeah, it does. We'll continue on with the uh, football theme. Of course, uh, the Buccaneers had what amounts to a bonus practice. They play Monday night football against the New York football Giants. You know, it's funny they still say that New York football Giants, of course, the Giants that are now in San Francisco used to be in New York. They were? Because, like, no one under 60 knows that. Well, I didn't know that. I had my parents (laughs) told me. I mean, you know. That's what I'm saying. But it's a little history lesson for you youngsters out there. Anyway, um, the Bucks had a bonus practice. It was about an hour. It was mostly walk through. Tell you who wasn't there. He was there, but in a boot, and now he's not there. Is Richard Sherman? Um, you know he he had this uh, grade two calf strain in warmups at Washington when he was trying to come back after missing two games um, with his hamstring injury because he played three games in twelve days and his hammy didn't hold up. So. Now he's got a separate injury, a different injury with this, uh, you know, with this situation. And so the Bucks just decided, you know what, you're not coming back anytime soon. They put him on IR, and that means he's going to miss at least three more games, which in the grand scheme of things, he's going to be known for this. Came in in a pinch, played three games in 12 days, blew out his hammy on the third game, and he has contributed all of 11 tackles this season. And I think they've completed about 75% of the targets aimed at him. So not much of a contribution for Richard because, unfortunately, his body's not holding up, which is why maybe a lot of people didn't sign Richard, but not his fault either. I mean, injuries are part of the game, and he didn't. This is a guy, to me, this goes back to the fact that he had no training camp. He had no offseason. He wasn't in a camp when they signed him, and they put him right on the field and played him right away. And he basically, his body wasn't, wasn't prepared for what was going to happen to it. And so now it's starting to bark at him. And it's unfortunate. They love having him around because he's really good for those young defensive backs. I mean, really good. Uh, If he wanted to coach, he would be excellent. He says he doesn't. So I don't expect that to occur. But by the same token, um, you know, that, that means they're down. You know, like they were down in that game against Washington to their seventh corner. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, because D. Delaney went in for Sherman, and he got concussed. And so, you know, when you add up the guys they were missing entering the game and the guys that they lost during the game, you had your seventh corner on the field. Sean Murphy Bunding's doing more. He uh, was not active last week. I think there's a really good chance you see him back. Good news, Carlton Davis started doing some running. He's had that quad injury, of course, their best cover corner. He was doing a little bit of work that was very encouraging on the side. Gronkowski was at practice. They were in spiders or whatever. They weren't in, in pads. I don't know how much he did, but the mere fact that he was out there, as was JPP, who's been playing but never practices. Um, and so JPP was out there, again, in spiders. It was a light day, um, no no real contact, and uh, they were only doing what they did for an hour outside. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of the – it's too bad for Richard. They got to get some bodies back. They got to get healthy, man. Um, you know, this team has, has talked about, you know, what's happened these last two games, back-to-back losses. I don't think Tom Brady – you know, realize this, that Tom Brady has lost three in a row 
once in his career, exactly one time. That's incredible. That's maybe that's it. Maybe the most unfathomable. You're not talking about a guy who played a little while, twenty-one years, and he has had exactly one three-game losing streak. That's crazy to me. I mean, the Bucks lost the first three games of every season. I think when I covered them, <laughs> I, you know, what I'm like seriously, like they they didn't get out of September without having three losses, usually in a row. So, um, just an incredible record for him. But they all talked about, uh, you know, on Monday that. Um, you know, hey, you know, we 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 know we're going to get everybody's best shot. We got to come with the intensity. You know, the full sixty minutes. We play for about nine minutes with it, and I. It's like we talked about. I think this team is having a difficult time uh, understanding that you are going to get everybody's best shot, and that even though you're talented, and even though you're defending Super Bowl champions, that resume is not scaring anybody. You've actually got to go out and play. And they have not played well, you know, and until they understand that, you know, no one's afraid of you and they're all gunning for you and, you, and you've got, you're not only going to get their best shot, but you damn well be, better give them your best shot. That's the key. If you're the Super Bowl champions and everybody's gearing up for you, you can't go out there with less than your best. You can't commit penalties and turnovers. You know, you're going to have to give them your best if you want to win. And I think it's still a lesson that they're learning and part of it's human nature, but um, they got to turn that around. They have, they have to uh, apply what, what at least Bruce Arian says they do in practice and bring that passion, that energy for 60 minutes. We'll see if they can do it Monday night against the uh, New York football giants. Congratulations, uh, manager, Kevin cash. How about this, Steve? This is rare air, right? He has won back to back AL manager of the year awards. I'm here to tell you, not you start naming the names of the guys that have done that, a lot of them are in the Hall of Fame. It's impressive, and, and to be honest, I didn't think he would win the award. Um, you said that, yeah. You know, I thought maybe Tony LaRusa. I mean, Gabe Kapler mm-hmm. did win in the NL, and I thought that was very well-deserved for the Giants. Yes. Uh, but I thought maybe Tony LaRusa would get it because the Rays had been to the playoffs the year before. Sure. Had you know gone to the World Series and that, but... You know, you look at the job Kevin Cash did. They, you know, you don't have Charlie Morton, you don't have Blake Snell, you lose mm-hmm. Tyler Glass. Now, mm-hmm. you get to a hundred wins Incredible. for the first time in franchise history. Incredible, and win the AL East, who has four teams at ninety wins. <laughs> and you're the Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, it's it's a well deserved award and honor for him. Um, I, I was surprised he won it, and and very pleasantly so because I I think it's well deserved, and I think. You know, some of what people think about him has come from pulling Blake Snell in the World Series and that. But, you know, to do what he's done the last few seasons and and, and build with this core, and, and you know, from when he started when Joe Madden left and the cupboard was pretty bare, and to build it up the way they are, and, and you know, they just – they win. They just win. Now, they haven't figured out in the, how to finish it in the postseason yet, but they win. And, and they, they do it consistently, and I think it's a huge credit to, to Kevin Cash. I mean, you know, you kind of never thought someone would could be better than Joe Madden, and, and maybe Kevin Cash is. You know, it's kind well, of incredible when you think about it. I mean, he hasn't he hasn't been to a world he's been to a World Series like mm-hmm. Joe Madden. Joe Madden didn't win the World Series either. He had to mm-hmm. go someplace else with the Chicago Cubs and win it there. Um, but he has, yeah, as charismatic and as. Um, your monumental of a figure as mm-hmm. as Madden was turning a team that had lost a hundred games many times into a World Series team in 08 and then perennial playoff. 
I agree with you. I didn't think you'd find anybody, especially the guy coming after him. You usually want to be the guy after the guy that's after him. But Kevin Cash did not blink, and they've actually gotten better each year. That's the impressive mm-hmm. thing to me, that you win 96 games or seven games one year, and then you top it like you win 100, 100 man, and you know just keep posting AL East titles. In a year, like you just said, a bunch of teams in the AL East won over 90 games. I mean, this was the best – Top to bottom division, maybe not the bottom with uh, with Baltimore, but the top top bottom division in baseball, and they they cruised it. You know, they cruised through it. Now the question is, you know, can they finish the deal? Can they get over the hump? And there's going to be changes in the off season. Kevin was funny, man. He he said they asked him about you know looking back and where he's come as a manager, back to back manager of your titles. You ever imagine stuff? He goes, you know what? I didn't I didn't know because I I. I didn't know I'd be good at this because I, I wasn't good at baseball. I wasn't good at anything really there. So I didn't know how I would do as a manager because I'd just never been very good at anything. Well, he was very good because uh, nobody that makes the major leagues is a bad player. But more than that, um, his communication skills, um, you know, just his, uh, you know, and his ability and his understanding of the game is, is just terrific. He has such a great demeanor with him. Media enjoys him. Uh, players certainly uh, respond to him. So, well deserved, Kevin Cash. I mean, I think I saw names like Bobby Cox or mm-hmm. I think uh, he was the last guy to win back to back. Yeah, I mean, think how long ago that he that was deserving, obviously. But you're talking mm-hmm. about a Hall of Fame manager, mm-hmm. you know. So it's pretty rare and and uh, should be uh, should be really well regarded um, as far as that goes. Finally, the Lightning are in Philly, and the Lightning, you know, they're playing better, Steve. I mean, I you know you can't dislike what you're seeing out of them, except. Anthony Sorelli's face. Oh, my goodness. Oh, oh, did he take some blows? And of course, the biggest thing was the puck there. But he also didn't he didn't back down from any scraps that night. I can tell you that. No, he would he play like nine minutes in the game or something. And he had such a huge impact in that game. Uh, Scoring and then, you know, shot blocking, fighting. Uh, Just wish he would have got the assist. So he could have got the Gordie Howe hat trick in there. But that's right. Uh, you know, uh, Sorelli is such a, a key part of the team, and sometimes gets overlooked because he doesn't score as much as maybe you'd hope or like. Um, but he's one of those. He's one of the. He's one of the guys that does everything on the team. I mean, you know, Braden Point is the number one center. Sorelli's the number two center, and and can do it all. I and mean, he doesn't score as much, and but that's not necessarily his role. And I know sometimes fans want to see him score more, but you know his role is, is different than that, and. You know, it's kind of the old Braden Point role before Braden Point moved up to the number one center role. You know, he was the shutdown line in that. Well, Sorelli's part of that, and so and and now he's playing with Point with Kucherov out. They've kind of re- reformed the lines, and he's playing wing on the line with Point. And and boy, that that line has been really good. Palat, Point, and Sorelli. So, um, but yeah, his face um, that's going to take Ooh. some time. Ooh. If you haven't hey, seen the, the picture, Alex Kalorn put that out on Instagram. And I mean. You know, here's the thing. Like, uh, he had a fairly prominent nose to begin with. <laughs> Oof, this thing grew substantially, and his and the rest of his face looked like a road map um, with a few train tracks mixed in there. It was yep. uh, stitched up. I'll just say this, and I've always said this. I don't care if you take offense to this, and I cover the NFL, um, or if you're in any other sport. There are no athletes as tough as hockey players. Period. There just are not. Well, and considering how often they go out and do that, 
you know the Every NFL night. the NFL you take a week out off between right. games and, right. and and those guys take beatings too don't get me wrong but hockey players will take that beating and come out the next period with stitches on and let's go nothing stops them i yeah. mean it's a badge of honor it's like mm-hmm. it's sort of like the the uh, you know the etiquette of the game like you pretty much have to be wheeled off of there to not continue playing they are the toughest cusses in the world and i mean stuff like that would put a normal person like me i'd be in the hospital for three months if that <laughs> happened to me uh, and, I, and it wouldn't matter how it happened but i'm telling you you know i still go i i we, my my uh, daughter is a big fan of uh of the nhl and of the lightning of course and and she but she goes on TikTok and she goes on um you know these various uh uh internet you know uh things and she watches highlights even from way back when and the other day um she was watching goaltending and injuries and fights and stuff like this and you remember when Ben Bishop got hit so hard in the mask that his two front teeth popped out mm-hmm. and and she saw that and she went whoa and I was like yeah he's picking up a chiclet right there she goes wow man like how did that happen and I'm thinking yeah, not only how did it happen, I remember that game. He stayed in the game. He was one of the players of the game. And what, after the game was over, he sat there and did an interview without his without his chiclets. <laughs> it, it was like the most astounding thing. It's like, hey, man, you probably should go get some ice now. Like, <laughs> like, And he's just, you know, just talking. He's like, and, and it, he had a mask on. It was a full mask. He just got hit so hard in the right spot or the wrong spot. That imagine what the force would be for those things to pop out. So, yeah, it, they're they're crazy tough. They're they're just a different breed altogether. And um, Sorelli's face, man, I had to look away. That was not suitable for work. I I wish I hadn't seen that. To be honest with you, but man, had he gained a lot of not that he needed them, but he got a lot of street cred that night. You know, for what he was able to accomplish. So. Anyway, look for the Lightning in Philly, of course, and uh, we'll have more uh, as the Bucks prepare for their Monday night football game against the New York Giants. Lots of other things to talk about this week, I'm sure, but thanks for joining us. I mean, thanks to Matt Baker as well. For Steve Burstink, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great night, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.